Welcome, true crime addicts. I can say that because I definitely count myself in that group. I'm obsessed with true crime pods, and my name is Lisa Silva. This is my co-host, Becky Jensen. You've stumbled onto a new true crime podcast called God Made Me Do It. This podcast is dedicated to investigating criminals who use their belief systems to justify their horrible deeds. This pod runs the gambit from cases where the criminal says they received divine messages telling them to kill, all the way to cult leaders with the God complex who influence their followers to do things they never would have done on their own. I personally am so fascinated by people who claim their belief system or religion influence them to the point that they would justify terrible acts that they know are completely wrong in the first place. How do these individuals get from searching for spirituality and finding connection to kill, steal, and destroy? We, like you, love true crime stories. The how and the why pull us in. So we hope you guys will stick with us as we find out what influenced the criminals in these cases to claim God made me do it. So the first case we're going to start off with is Andrea Yates. Um, Andrea Yates was very smart and driven. She was really your all-American girl, getting married, buying a house, wanting a big family. What happened to make her end up killing all the children she wanted so badly? So Andrea was born... Andrea Kennedy on July 2nd, 1964 in Hallsville, Texas to Andrew Emmett Kennedy. He was an Irish immigrant from Holyoke, Massachusetts. Is that right, Lisa? (laughs) And her mother, Yetta Karen Kohler, a German immigrant from Hanover, Germany. Andrea's father and mother met just after World War II while he was deployed in Germany. He was a pilot with the Army Air Corps, flying for a bombing squadron in World War II, and then for the Air Force after the war ended. The Kennedys were married in 1949, and by 1950, Yetta had been naturalized, and the couple moved permanently to Texas, where they began their lives and grew their family. Andrea was raised Catholic alongside her four older siblings. Growing up, she had close friends, though she was shy. Uh, She was also known as a high achiever. Graduating high school in 1982 as class valedictorian. Valedictorian. She was the swim team captain, and she was in the National Honor Society, She had long brown hair, which she usually wore down and straight, and she had those trendy 90s bangs. I had those. I had really high bangs that would kind of curve over at the end, and so that was kind of very telltale for the 90s, yeah. Yeah, that's cute. After high school, she went on to get a career in nursing. Um, She did a two-year pre-nursing course at the University of Houston. Then she went on to the University of Texas Health Science Center for her BSN degree. She got a job at a cancer center as an RN in 
N, where she worked for the next eight years. She went through one relationship at 24 years old, and it's said that the breakup led to the start of depression for this otherwise all-American girl. And in 1989, she met her future husband, Rusty Yates. They were actually neighbors at her apartment complex. I even read in one article that they met at the swimming pool because she was like still like really into all of her swimming. Oh, yeah. Um, That happened to the swim team. Yeah. Russell or Rusty grew up in Nashville and was your typical all-American guy. He played sports for his Christian school. He was even named as the school representative, Mr. DuPont, after DuPont Senior High School. He graduated from Auburn University, summa cum laude, smart couple already. They are obviously, like, very educated and into their studies. Oh, yeah. And (laughs) when they married, he was a disciple of preacher Warrenecki which we'll talk about later, but he was someone who went around to colleges. Like that was his kind of like target audience were college students. So prior to marriage, they had lived together, um, which is very naughty, naughty in the Christian religion, though I have been there and done that. (laughs) I'm here. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. After one month of being married, Andrea was pregnant. They decided they would, quote, seek to have as many babies as nature allowed. And they purchased a big family home in Friendswood, Texas. This just sounds like so cute and perfect. Andrea chose to be a stay-at-home mom, and she stopped working in nursing. So we found out Michael Warrenecki taught Yates that women who work or practice birth control are witches, which is pretty crazy. Uh, Prior to meeting Warrenecki, Andrea was intent on continuing her nursing career after the baby was born. But after meeting him, Rusty and Andrea became convinced that women were weak and sinful and should stay home. Yikes. (laughs) Yeah, this is pretty like a a bad start right here because it sounds like she's now going to give up a career that she really loved and like she was pursuing um, because she feels like it's her role to be home with the kids. And we kind of know how that turns out. But anyway, um, our first red flag, first red flag around 1996, the family did some moving around due to Rusty's job. They put their belongings in storage and moved into a trailer while he worked for six months in Florida. When they moved back to Texas, Rusty said he'd forgotten about half the things they stored up So he moved the family into a customized Greyhound bus, which was 350 square feet. That's 35 feet long and 10 feet wide. And I was looking up, you know, like how how cramped would that feel? And it said uh, the dimensions would be roughly the same as a hotel room. So basically, Mm -hmm. they're all living together in a hotel room. She's got two children now. Rusty was working for NASA for 
80 grand a year during this time. So the fact that they were living this way was absolutely not due to financial difficulty, uh, especially in the 90s. When Andrea pushed Rusty about their cramped quarters, he said he felt they didn't need much more than that after they had lived without possessions for six months in Florida. He believed the family would enjoy a simpler life. He didn't want his kids to grow up to be materialistic, right? So the Yates sold all their belongings, including wedding gifts, leaving Andrea with only her sewing machine and cookware. Shortly after they moved into the bus, Andrea suffered a miscarriage. However, shortly after that, Andrea was pregnant once again. Now there were three young children and two adults in the smallest of spaces. Some speculated after the fact that these cramped conditions were not ideal and may have led to a decline in Andrea's mental state. During this difficult period, Andrea had become close friends with Michael Wernicke's wife, and she wrote to her for help saying that she was feeling depressed and lonely. And so Warnecke's wife suggested that Yates read the New Testament because it'll remind her of her role as the subservient wife. Wow. Like that. Damn. Oh my gosh. She's like asking for help and this is like the reply she gets. It's just gross. You're just not doing enough, you know? In 1999, their fourth son was born, and that's when things really started to fall apart. She now had three young boys and a new baby that needed to be fed every three hours and was getting little to no sleep. Andrea was suffering and experiencing symptoms of postpartum depression. It's such a difficult thing for a mother to go through and not as uncommon as people would think, you know? Four months later, Rusty got a call at work from Andrea. She was anxious and scared. When Rusty got home, she was shaking and could barely speak, and she told him, I need help. The next day, the family went to Andrea's parents' home in the hopes that she would feel more comfortable with her family around. But hours later, while the family was napping, Andrea took 40 of her father's prescribed trazodone tablets. Trazodone is a sedative sometimes given for sleep issues. Um, So she overdosed, basically, and then her mother discovered her and rushed her to the emergency room in Houston. Horrible. Like, to just, this is just, again, another cry for help. I've been given trazodone because I do have trouble sleeping, and I know on the bottle it says, like, you know, only take one, and I was, like, Googling it for some reason, and I think it's that same drug that some guy took, um, and I've heard it, like, makes you, like, hallucinate. He, like, went and, like, killed people after taking it and is that right i think so um and for her to be a nurse and take that many i don't know that's like she's a nurse so i think she was really hoping like you know this would be the end of it absolutely yeah i i agree So, of course, when they took her to the emergency room, they realized that she had tried to commit suicide. So they took her to the psych ward after she um, after she got stabilized. And she was then given a formal diagnosis that she had a major depressive disorder. Andrea felt so bad afterwards saying, I only have my family to live for. Instead of trying to talk about her needs, she was worried about what the drugs would do since she wanted to continue breastfeeding. 
A nurse recalled that she was only able to ask if she had done any permanent damage to her body. She left the hospital before her symptoms cleared up due to her insurance only covering a seven-day stay. Rusty was then spoken to by the social worker after the suicide attempt, and she said that Rusty seemed to accept and and be aware of Andrea's condition, but he preferred to call her condition postpartum depression and not her actual diagnosis of major depression or postpartum psychosis. Rusty also told the social worker that he was concerned that Andrea was struggling with the concept of her salvation. So, I mean, obviously, like, even though the experts are saying, hey, you know, this is serious. This is not a joke. This is, you know, a, a cry for help. Obviously, she really does need treatment. Rusty is minimizing. He's definitely not, even though he's fully aware of what's going on, he's kind of just downplaying. And then he's relating it somehow to her faith. Um, What is postpartum psychosis? So WebMD uh, says postpartum psychosis can come within a couple weeks after you give birth. Usually it happens suddenly and different mothers have different symptoms, obviously. Um, Some of those symptoms are delusions, hallucinations, agitation, heightened energy or sex drive, depression, anxiety, confusion, severe insomnia, paranoia, suspicious feelings, constant mood swings, or feeling disconnected from your baby. One out of 1,000 women may experience psychosis, while 10% of women may experience some mental effects of pregnancy like anxiety or depression. I know I've got a few friends that have had you know, gone through this and have had to take anti-anxiety medication. And um, luckily for them, due to the support of their spouse or whatever the case may be, they were able to pull out, but it, it does take a while and it is really, really difficult to handle. Yeah. I feel like that one out of a thousand, um, I feel like that the numbers are much higher. Like people just must not report it or, you know, like they have the term like baby blues and Mm -hmm. it's to be like a normal thing. I mean, it is normal, but also it's like not normal because yeah, you're going to feel like shit if you're not getting any sleep. And if you have like a baby and you're healing and all these things, but like, if it gets like out of hand, like, please go and seek help, which is sadly what, you know, she's doing. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're right. You know, um, definitely like, I think some people are made to feel like they should just handle it because they're a new mom and this is, you know, it's going to be hard. So deal with it. But definitely if you are feeling uh, down, depressed, anxious, and if any of these symptoms begin, you should definitely try to seek some help. And you're right. Uh, Andrea was trying to get help. So after seven days, Andrea was sent home with antidepressants into her family's care. Three weeks later, Andrea tried to slit her own throat. Rusty found her and stopped her. She was afraid, she told the hospital psychologist. She was afraid she would hurt someone, so she was going to to kill herself instead. She was having hallucinations at this point and scared of being unable to train her kids or failing as a parent. This was thought to be the beginning of Andrea's decline into full-blown psychosis. The doctor at the time advised them not to have any more children, as it will guarantee future psychotic depression. Seven weeks later their fifth child was conceived, their first daughter, 
When Andrea found out she was pregnant, she stopped taking her medication. Rusty claims he never heard the doctor say anything about not having more kids, but Andrea recalls having a conversation with him regarding that. Throughout her pregnancy, the Warneckis kept advising Andrea to keep seeking Jesus. In November of 2000, Andrea gave birth to a healthy baby girl. Unfortunately, a few months later, Andrea's father passed away after a long battle with Alzheimer's. These two events happening so close together were devastating to Andrea. She had now been off her medication for a full year. So to make matters worse, their religious views had taken a dangerous turn. Turning away from their Catholic and Christian upbringings, they were almost entirely listening to the mentorship of Waranecki. Rusty was conducting family Bible studies three times a week. Doomsday leaflets were mailed to the home They were no longer trusting schools or institutional religion and along those lines, medicine. How she was convinced is crazy to me. Um, I don't know. I, as a daughter of a nurse, uh, my mom was like very like, you know, oh, you're sick. You're going to be fine. You know, like she just really downplayed any symptoms. Like nothing was like very major you know it's just always like oh go have a Tylenol you know so yeah so for her to be like no we're never doing any you know medication in our house like yeah those Warneckis were really good influences it sounds like um he even did these videos and one of them he was wearing a Satan mask saying wow that's all that matters what you feel in your own heart talking against organized religion and churches. So now he's talking against the churches, like what the heck. He would create these newsletters and videotapes, like I said, to send to his followers while he and his wife would travel around the country preaching at colleges. In April 2001, she was no longer taking her medication. She was self-harming. She was not feeding her baby. She was just reading her Bible near constantly and doing nothing else. She was brought in by Rusty to the doctor um, saying his wife, quote, could not survive another night at home. So they sought a new doctor, Dr. Saeed but Yates was just treated and released. Dr. Saeed, by the way, is not a psychiatrist. He's just a regular doctor. Um, Due to the Yates insurance policy, they opted to go to Devereaux rather than a state hospital. Um, Devereaux appears to be a nonprofit organization for behavioral health care, maybe similar to like a county health office. Oh, wow. This is probably not the best choice and option for someone in like such a severe state. Um, It's also like the second time we've talked about like because of their health care, they haven't like been able to stay in the hospital or haven't gone to like a good enough hospital. Why don't you have good health care? Like you're working for NASA. You'd think that would be covered. A close friend of Andrea's was becoming very concerned for her. She didn't think Rusty was doing enough for his wife and the friend Holmes. She wanted to take care of Andrea herself. 
though her husband said that might be seen as kidnapping to take their friend against the will of her husband. Um, Holmes had known Andrea for almost 16 years, meeting as nurses. I think they had worked together at that cancer center. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, occasionally even leaving her own children at the Yates house. She was able to watch firsthand Andrea's decline with each additional kid. She said, there were times I would see her look so scary. I would not let her out of my sight. I would not even turn my back on her. Like, that sounds so scary. (laughs) You were saying, we were looking at photos of Andrea through the years, and you can literally see the decline. You can see that she goes from, like, this happy young teenager just to this woman who looks, you know, thin and pale and just so unhappy and just kind of out of her mind, you know, and it's so sad to see. Yeah. We'll post those on our social. So you guys can also take a look. Um, especially like when, uh, she was like in the hospital, I was telling you, like, you know, you're supposed to be kind of like a plump, healthy, pregnant lady. Right. And she had like these bones sticking out and she just looked so frail. And I was like, how could you see this person come in pregnant just having given birth to a baby? And like, she's just so frail looking. And it's just like, you can tell, you know, oh, her first baby, she was like fairly healthy and happy. And, you know, by her fourth, fifth kid, it was just like, like bones, like she's a shell of herself, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Totally. Um, so her friend actually kept a journal of, um, Andrea's condition over the two years leading to the crimes quote in case something bad happened. Like she's oh. already thinking that. There were times she would call Rusty begging him to get Andrea help, but he just replied, I'll look into it. Um, A few weeks later, in May 2001, they were back at Dr. Saeed's offices. He says, the patient was near catatonic, sat in the chair, did not move at all. At this time, we decided to try the Haldol again at the husband's request. Um, that's what his report said. Haldol is a medication that's used for schizophrenia as an antipsychotic. She was prescribed less powerful treatments and sent home again. A few days later, she's found running a bath by her eldest son. And when he asks what it's for, she just replies, I might need it. She later told the police she had thought about drowning her kids that day. No one actually believed like she was going to harm anyone other than herself. So they warned Rusty against leaving her home alone, saying she needed around-the-clock supervision. Shortly after this, he was heard at a family gathering saying he was, quote, <laughs> like weaning her off of him by leaving her for an hour or two. So she didn't get dependent on him. God like, forbid, right? That you um, get dependent on your own husband, you know, for support yeah. when like, you're struggling. <laughs> that's your partner. You should be able to go to them. And he's like, oh, I'm just going to like leave her home when she's like in such a bad state because 
I don't want to have to deal with it. Like, oh my God, dude. Andrea's family did not approve and her mother like swarming with all these like ideas and thoughts about it. Like she overheard that whole conversation that Rusty was having. And then she was thinking about a recent event where her daughter was feeding the baby solids and um, the baby like didn't even have teeth yet. And she was giving the baby like some kind of food and the baby started choking on it. Problems continued between Rusty and Dr. Said. At the time, Andrea was on a Faxor, which is an antidepressant. Um, Rusty argued again when Dr. Syed tried to lower her dose drastically in one day and not tapering it down by 75 milligrams each day. Um, so in this situation, I feel like Rusty is kind of advocating for her because he was doing some research and had found out like, okay, you're supposed to like taper down off of it and not just like, you know, I also take this. I'm like very open about all my medical stuff, but, um, yeah, I take effects for my anxiety and, um, I only take 75 milligrams and I've been on medication for like 10 years, not this one, but just different ones. So for her to be taking 450, I was just like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> like wow. Yeah. I like freak out if I like forget and I like accidentally take two in one day. Like, I guess I'll know I'm not going to die or something. <laughs> June 20, 2001. Um, so I just want to let you guys know this is uh, a bit graphic and rough to hear. So just a trigger warning for anybody who has ever been through any type of trauma. Um, if this is going to be too much, then you can skip this part. Crime against children. Crime against children. June 20, 2001, Rusty left for work at NASA, leaving Andrea with five kids alone. It said someone was supposed to be coming over later to watch her. Andrea went and locked their normally free-range dog up in the cage while the children were eating breakfast in the kitchen. One by one, she took her children to the bathroom to drown them in the tub. She started with her younger sons, drowning each one and laying them in her bed. During one of the murders, the baby started fussing, so she sat her on the bedroom floor with a bottle and continued the drowning. After all but her oldest son were killed, she then grabbed the baby and drowned her as well. She left her body floating in the water when the eldest came in and asked what was wrong with Mary. He ran out of the room before Andrea caught up to him and brought him into the bath, submerging his head in nine inches of cold water with his baby sister floating next to him. Here is the 911 call Andrea placed afterward. My apologies for the poor quality. Then Andrea called Rusty at work. You'd better come home, she said. 
Is anyone hurt, he asked, due to the strange tone of her voice. Yes, she said. The children, all of them. When he arrived home, officers were already there. She was charged with two counts of capital murder, one charge covers intentional deaths of two people, and one charge in the death of a child under six years old. Their kids' ages ranged from six months to seven years. In 2002, a trial began for Andrea. Andrea's defense attorney argued she was insane. Texas's definition of insanity is the actor, as a result of severe mental illness or defect, did not know that his or her conduct was wrong. This did not meet the prosecution's charge of insanity because she was able to tell right from wrong. After just four hours of deliberation, the jurors found Andrea Yates, 37 years old, guilty. She was sentenced to life in prison and possible parole in 40 years. But it doesn't stop there. A man named Dr. Park Dietz, a forensic psychiatrist and prosecution witness, was called in for Andrea's case. This rather famous psychiatrist had been consulted in the Jeffrey Dahmer case, the Waco case, the Unabomber, and on over 200 episodes of Law & Order. In fact, in Andrea's case, he said there had recently aired an episode about a mother drowning her children and getting off with an insanity plea. This being a show Andrea enjoyed watching, it made sense for him to tie the two events together. But such episode never existed. Because of this, in 2005, they appealed and had to do a retrial due to this witness withdrawing his false statement. There had been a possibility the jury had been influenced by his statement. In 2006, she pled not guilty by reason of insanity and was placed on bail in a mental health treatment facility. On July 26, 2006, Andrea Yates was found not guilty by reason of insanity. She was moved to Kerrville State Hospital, a low-security mental health facility where she remains today. It's like such a small number of people that actually plead not guilty by reason of insanity and then actually get that. Um, actually get a like a judge to to agree with it or like yeah. then be actually charged like with that instead of. Yeah. It's like very rare and like very hard to do. She told her jail psychiatrist, it was the seventh deadly sin. My children weren't righteous. They stumbled because I was evil. The way I was raising them, they could never be saved. They were doomed to perish in the fires of hell. So somewhere I read said that, it was because they had lived together before they were married. And like, that was bad in their eyes and against like what they believed. Um, but I mean, if she had already thought like, oh, if I'm going to have kids, like they're going to perish in the fires of hell. Like, why would you have kids? Like, just bring them into the world. So like, they're going to die. Like, you can believe whatever you want. But I mean, like, was that always her plan? It's just, I don't understand it. Well, from what I understand also about the Warneckis and the way they talk to people, um, I saw this guy who said that he was a former follower of him as well. And it, it like starts off like just, okay, they're talking to you about God and like being saved, but then they kind of pound you with this. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. No matter what you do, you're going to hell. So maybe in the beginning when they were first having their couple first kid, you know, uh, first, first set of children, they 
didn't feel so strongly about all that, but then it it kind of got to where nothing they did was going to be good enough for God. And so then she's just, you know, examining like, what have I done wrong in my life? And then kind of relating the two, right? Like, oh, you know, well, I did this, so I've now ruined their salvation. And now the the kids are never going to make it. But, you know, she also wasn't in her right mind too. So it could be partly that. But that's so sad how like sometimes people's beliefs will make them lose faith and hope in actual like living their lives and like make them think that they're dirty and they're not worthy of anything. It's tragic, you know? Yeah. I mean, I definitely had two of my kids before we were married, but I didn't want to be married. (laughs) It was just like the choice that I made, you know, you know, everyone's free to do whatever they want. Um, But uh, yeah, I, I think that you're right along the lines that was kind of something learned after the fact. So Warnecke was asked to comment on the crimes of his friend. And he said he had no comment, except he did write a letter where he said, we enjoyed our friendship with Rusty and Andrea for many years as they tried to learn from our ways of following Jesus. They obviously fell short of salvation. Um, not sure really what Jesus they're following. This is like so against everything, but okay. Her friend, Deborah Holmes, the nurse that she used to work with, blames herself, wondering what more she could have done. She's quoted saying, I just love her so much. I'll never turn my back on her. Andrea's lawyer and his wife created the Yates Children Memorial Fund to help raise awareness for postpartum depression. Now, Andrea Yates is 58 years old. She has been at the Kerrville Mental Health Facility for 16 years. Each year, Andrea is offered the opportunity to undergo a review to determine if she is competent enough to leave the facility. As of 2022, she waived her right to be reviewed. I also heard that Rusty got remarried like an, a year after he divorced her. Um, yeah, super jumped into a new relationship. And he has I, kids now again. Oh, that's hard. I, I think his right. issues were with his wife, not with his children, but he just wanted yeah. like that perfect little housewife, you know, to be all happy, mm-hmm. you know, come home to a hot cooked meal and, you know, his kids run into his arms. And and I think she wanted to be that person, right? I do. And I think that if, who knows that they couldn't have had that dream if somebody had taken her seriously, given her proper medical care and let her stay at facilities long enough to get better, if she had stayed on her medication, you know, and wasn't kind of like told by her husband that it really wasn't that necessary. I don't know if anybody's to blame but I don't think it helped that the Warneckis were pushing their version of God down her throat and making her think that she was not worthy, that her children weren't going to be saved, that they were all going to hell, especially after they knew that she was struggling. Yeah. I mean, if anyone has spent a single minute in a church, like you'll know that like, that you're not going to fall short of salvation for what being together before you were married, such bullshit. Especially like in a Christian, in the Christian faith itself, you know, you're not supposed to earn your salvation. Like it's supposed to be given freely, right? You just have to believe. So, you know, she was taking a lot on herself to try to save people and save herself. 
really honestly, I just wish that somebody had tried to save her. I know. So I think back to like when they were talking about um, living in a trailer and I'm like thinking of all like the parents out there, like have you ever been in a car ride with your kids and you're just like, (laughs) oh my God, when are we going to be there? Get me out of this fucking car. (laughs) But no, but you live there. Like it's forever. Yeah. (laughs) And she was like going crazy, like duh like why wouldn't you go crazy of all your kids around you all the time you yeah can and like she nuts. wasn't able to like go to work and like get it you know detached from the situation like rusty she had to stay in that environment and have more and more and more children yeah a lot. I feel like it was probably like really hard for her you know I feel like she just kept losing things like she kept losing her identity she lost being yeah. a nurse she like lost all of her possessions, like sewing machine and cookware, like how fucking convenient. Like, uh, that just made me so mad. How misogynistic and stereotypical is that too? Like, like, you can keep this, hon. Like, fuck you. If you're having, struggling uh, with mental health or thoughts of suicide or depression, they do have that 988 number that you can text, you can call for help. There's somebody there 24 hours. This was our first case. And I'm really glad that we started off with a female. Also, um, our angle is pursuing how belief systems can push people over the edge or be the reason that they claim they had to commit crime. So uh, in this case, we saw how God was used to kind of manipulate and play into her psychosis. In this case, we really do think that she was let down on so many levels, and we don't think this really had to happen. This could have been prevented at some point. And it does say a lot about her that she doesn't want to be reviewed to be released. She does want to get help, and she does want to stay in her mental facility there in Texas. Yeah, now that she's back in control of her life, she's trying to do the right thing. So yeah, wish her the best. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us again. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at God made me do it pod. And also we have a TikTok page at God made me do it pod. And you can always throw suggestions to us or email us at God made me do it pod at gmail.com. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. Bye.